0: Good morning everybody. Can't speak everyone, everybody. (laughs) Thank you for joining me. Welcome to the Turfgrass Epistemology YouTube channel and podcast where we are on a constant journey to find the answer to how do we know what we know. My name is Travis Shaddix. Thank you for joining me. We are going to talk about some turfgrass establishment today, but before we do, quick Correction from yesterday. Yesterday, as you might recall, was one of the more difficult papers we discussed. And <laughs> I said in there that I was gonna screw this thing up somehow. I don't know how, but I'm gonna screw it up. It was just complicated. Hey Lush, hey chat. in the chat. Um let me do the correction real quick and then we'll we'll move on. So this paper yesterday that I dis- that I discussed, the soul test calibration. It had some unusual units. And I made an error on the math when I discussed the rates that they used. Like for example, up here in the chart it says four kilograms per R. And I said I I did some quick math. Because R is a hundred square meters. And instead of converting to a hectare by multiplying by a thousand, or I'm sorry, multiplying by a hundred, I multiplied it by ten. Make a long story short, is the rate of 0.8 pounds of phosphorus from yesterday's show should have been 80 pounds, believe it or not. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm messing it up again. Eight pounds. Okay. So it should have been eight pounds of phosphorus that they included. Which today I don't even think that would be allowed. That was just this was back in the 80s when they were doing these rates, incorporating it into the soil and so forth. Um I said it was 0.8 pounds because I was trying to convert from R to hectare and then back to pounds per thousand square feet. And it was just confusing. But it should have been eight pounds um, that they incorporated as one of the rates and so forth. So basically, you're doubling the kilograms per R and you roughly get pounds per thousand square feet. But let me just mention that, discuss that real quickly is that eight pounds of phosphorus per thousand square feet is, like I said, I, I, I don't know if that would be allowed today. There's nothing wrong with what they did back then. We were always trying to figure out the rates and fidgeting with stuff and so forth, but I, I don't think that would be allowed today. And even if you applied a half a pound or a one or one pound of pea by blending it into the soil, even today, I mean, if you did that today, I don't think it would be wise because we have more information than we did 30 or 40 years ago about how those those nutrients below the, or in the soil migrate off site before the turf can take it up during establishment. So if the definition of leaching is the movement of nutrients in the soil below the rooting zone, usually as a result of water movement below the rooting zone. Well, when you blend it in with the soil and then plant a, a seed or sprigs or sod or anything on top of that soil all the nutrients below the rooting zone which in that case is at the very surface of the soil are not available and the idea is that the roots will migrate and grow into the soil and have access to that and that will happen it's true but in the meantime the risk of nutrient movement off-site in terms of economic loss or environmental risk is extremely high and that coupled with, we've found um, since then that the application of nutrients to the top of the soil compared to blending it in with the soil um, d- don't uh, don't result in any reduction really to, to an establishment to any degree. In other words, you don't really benefit that much from blending it all into the soil as opposed to just applying it on top of the soil during establishment. And then there's been some work done on that. Maybe I can go into that in the future, but... Um, If there is a benefit, in my opinion, it's offset greatly by the potential risk of nitrogen and phosphorus leaching and the environmental consequences that can occur as a result of that. So when there's no roots in the soil, blending in nutrients into that soil, at least in the field, greatly increases environmental risk. So, um, and it doesn't really give you that much benefit to be frank so i don't know if that's the really the wisest approach so that's the correction from yesterday i told you i was going to mess it up and i did (laughs) thanks for joining in the chat brady and lush yeah eight pounds is nuts but that's not the craziest thing that we've done in research we do crazy things in research and that and not just in agriculture but in medicine they do you know they go from zero you know of some medicine to extremely high rates in laboratory mice and so forth, so that we can have a better idea what the actual proper rate should be in humans before we, um, start doing human trials. So, you know, these high rates that you see in the literature are not that uncommon. Okay. Especially, you know, back decades ago when, you know, that may have actually been considered a a management practice to to recommend but um anyway that's the correction uh today's paper is much easier okay it's much more practical <laughs> and, e- and easier to understand easier to read um so let's first go to the internet and figure out how we would even find that so this i'm assuming in this case we we're, we're going to be looking at Uh, Well, let me just set the stage. Oftentimes, when we're planting tall fescue or uh, um, perennial rye or any seeded, usually seeded cool season grasses, sometimes my neighbors, in fact, will apply straw or some sort of top dressing or mulch or something to the top. That happens very common in Kentucky. Uh, It's quite common with cool season seeded grasses. And the question I would have is, is that needed? You know, do you really benefit that much from applying mulch or whatever to the top of seed? And then do you benefit from applying starter fertilizer or not? So if you have a question like that, you might ask, um, at Google scholar, and I can see, I <clears throat> need to fix this real quick. You might ask Google scholar that question. How, uh, oops, hang on see if I can figure this thing out here. um you know what is the um hang on i'm trying to fix it here there we go you know what is the benefit to applying or is there a benefit to applying mulch and starter fertilizer to newly seeded turf or whatever so i would just type in mulch into google scholar mulch and starter fertilizer to turf and see what happens. Okay. So yeah. So that, I mean, again, I knew the title of the paper, but if if that's what you were looking for, mulch and starter fertilizer, turf grass, it's the very first, um, paper that comes up is this paper by Braun and Aaron. And, and I don't know the other author, the other two authors, actually, Emily and Alexander. I don't know those two authors, but, um, anyway that's how you would find this particular paper and then if you click on it it's probably yeah so it's going to take you to crop science so the paper is in um crop science which is our one of our highest standard papers and you can read the abstract as we've been going through so that's how you'd find it so you're sitting at home you're sitting in your business it's like why am i putting out all this mulch and all this hay and you know all this starter fertilizer on these new seeded lawns um is there any actual benefit to that i mean is the client or me as a homeowner or superintendent or whatever are we actually benefiting from doing any of that that's how you would find it just go to google scholar and type in mulch starter fertilizer turf grass see what comes up and then this is the first paper that comes up so we're going to discuss it and it goes through here as we talked about with the abstract you can get this for free actually this oh this is this whole article is free okay so this whole article must be open access yeah, so the whole article is open access, so that's even better. So here's an article that everybody in the world can go download, download for free and um, won't cost you a nickel, okay? So you can go in here and read what they did and some of the settings and, the and you know, the why they did it. Uh, and get down to the results. All mulch ingredients, including the no mulch, eventually reached a similar turf cover. However, the rate of establishment was influenced by mulch ingredient. So uh, we're going to talk about that. It says it was influenced by mulch ingredient. They actually included. I'll read through it. I'll show you. But they included the no mulch as mulch. <laughs> so and, in some cases in the text, it seems like they're including the no mulch as mulch. So when they say mulch influenced it, it did. But the no mulch was oftentimes just as good as any of the other you know mulches. So I'll go through that and ex- discuss it in further detail. Um conversely, starter fertilizer had minimal impact on the establishment rates but increased final turf cover. And we're going to talk about when, when they say increase, this is one reason why it's important to actually be able to download the whole article. Because when you say increase final turf cover to the reader you don't know to what degree, I mean, we need to include what percent increase so that we have some sort of context on whether or not it's biologically significant, right? So you know, for another word, in other words, let's say the turf cover increased from, you know, 94% to 98%. So let's say that's statistically different. Ninety eight is greater than ninety four statistically. Well, biologically, I don't think you'd ever be able to visualize that. You know, the average homeowner is not going to know. The average superintendent, turf manager, not going to know. Ninety. Oh, that's ninety eight. I'm I'm better than ninety four. So biologically, I don't know if that's really, you know, that important. And that's actually what we find in here. And the, the difference is only like four percent. So, but. That's the reason you got to read the article, but in the in the abstract, it appears like hey, you know, starter fertilizer had minimal impact and um compost. Oh, Wait, wait what did I say? Increased the rate of establishment was influenced by mulch ingredients. So you see, you know, oh wait, minimal impact on stuff, but increased final. Oh here, but increased final turf cover. So we'll go into that in a little bit more detail. Compost-derived mulch consistently resulted in faster turf establishments. Again, I want to go in there and make sure we're talking about, you know, the context and you know, you know, the magnitude of the impact and whether or not it's worth you paying for it, which was generally six days sooner than other mulch options, which with the exception of potting soil, no mulch and at times topsoil, which provided similar results. So this is, this is just, to me, it's, it's, it's rare that I run into a paper that States it this way and i'm not i'm not, I'm not bashing ross and aaron they're re- really good scientists better than i am but the words way it's worded is peculiar because it says compost dry mulch consistently resulted in faster establishment with the exception of no mulch <laughs> so it's like which which provided similar results so I, it's like well I, so it didn't do anything compared to doing nothing it seems like for me from the from the abstract so it's just peculiarly the way it's worded but anyway we'll get into that um so that's the abstract so basically the results also indicate there are multiple financial feasible options for homemade patch and repair ingredients Da-da-da. um oh so this the most important sentence in the abstract is this one The results indicate if the newly seeded area is adequately irrigated, then neither mulch ingredient nor starter fertilizer may be necessary. So, you know, they do sum it all up there nicely, is that at the end of the day, they didn't really see much benefit to including mulch or including the starter fertilizer high in phosphorus under the conditions of their study. Okay, which is oftentimes what you'll find especially on soils that already have adequate phosphorus okay so let's actually get into the the article i actually like this article a lot the um although some of the wording's a little bit peculiar it's <laughs> it's um I, I do like it because at the end and i think a lot i think scientists and grad students if you're listening even professors if you're listening i i think sometimes we get so involved with the details of scientific writing that we kind of lose track of the, the audience that we're writing it to. And that is at someone that's going to actually implement the findings in the field in agriculture. This is critical. I mean, we do theoretical stuff and we do lab stuff that other scientists its really only useful to other scientists. Um, For example, work on instruments on eye caps and, you know and you know flame aas and these things the average person is never going to know that or use it but scientists would in our case in agriculture at some point we have to make it practical we have to make it useful to the average person and at the end of this paper there's a lot of language about that so i like i like it when you know we do have scientific standards in these papers but Let's add in a couple sentences or a paragraph as to how this can be used in a practical setting. And and Ross and Aaron and Emily and Alexander do that pretty well here at the end of this paper. So let's get into it. So that the title of the paper is Establishment of Low Input Turf Grass from Seed with Patch and Repair Mixtures, Mulch and Starter Fertilizer Effects. So again, we're in the fall, we're seeding. You probably have some stuff already germinated, some seed already germinated, and you're looking potentially to f- fertilize it to increase the growth rate. Let's see what they found and how they did it. They set the the stage here. Com- they're, so they're talking about commercial patch and repair products generally contain turf grass seed at about 11% or less, fertilizer at 5% or less, and then 85 to 90% inert mulch material, which consists of wood and paper-based mulch to help retain moisture when it's applied. So you're talking about a product that is almost entirely um, organic product or components in there with a little seed and a little fertilizer and huge margins, (laughs) okay? That those, when you have 90% of the product basically being mulch and you're selling it for the price they're selling it for, there's a tremendous amount of profit to be made in those. And that's fine, no problem. But in return for that expense to to us, the consumer, what are we getting out of it? That's what I want to know. We continue. It says the mulch material helps cover and protect the seed at planting, and this is critical, creating a microclimate that potentially retains moisture through its organic content, reduces the rate of evaporation, soil insulates the seed. So he's going on about, Decreases the potential for seed and soil erosion. Going on about the potential benefits of including those uh, organic components or mulches into the blend, and he cites um, Nick's book here in 2017. So if you read that book, it's not as if it's not an article that found that that was true, and that's what it's just a book that um, you know contains those that content saying this is what they'll do but it's not necessarily articles saying this is for sure what they do that's the reason they put in potentially okay so it has the potential to to retain moisture and reduce weeds and you know reduce soil erosion during seeding and all these things okay so that's why they include that into those blends and that's oftentimes um, or that's the rationale behind it and that's that's the marketing behind it okay Okay, we're going to go through towards the end. So basically the introduction is all about what's been going on with various mulches and various um, fertilizer seeds and all these things. And then we get to the end of the, the introduction and it provides their hypothesis. It says, our objectives were to evaluate and determine the success of financially feasible homemade patch and repair mulch and starter fertilizer ingredient options with desirable low input turf grass seeds. So... I don't want to be too critical on this stuff um but i will say for any grad students who are listening the objectives are really it's your hypothesis and when hypotheses are written uh, they need to be written in a falsifiable format so when when you say to evaluate that's not falsifiable right i mean i can evaluate A lot of things and we have to have some sort of null hypothesis that allows it to be falsified so instead you know you would say you could say something like um you know to determine whether or not mulch and starter fertilizer reduce or influences or reduces the rate of establishment or increases turf grass quality and then there you can falsify that because you can have data that shows that indeed it does increase or you've, you you know, you would fail to reject the null hypothesis so it's it's you're, you're 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 including the metric that you're measuring and then it's more easily known exactly what you're going to be doing your hypothesis rather than saying evaluate we're going to evaluate this right and i've been guilty of that too in the past it's just that the language is a little bit vague so when they talk about um Patch and repair, I know on this screen over here, let's see if I can turn this. Um, the. <clears throat> let's see if I can flip this around here. Let me see. I'm trying to flip this screen so you can see. Um, Okay, so that let me see if I can transform ninety degrees clockwise. okay, so here you go. So on this I um, don't know if it's going to let me show the other side of this thing. Basically, what I wanted to show you is this this particular page that'm I'm, that I'm on the PDF is is um, landscaped. It's it's the opposite. It's it's sideways, and um, I wanted to um make it to where you guys can read this, but I can't seem to get it to fit. I'm not very good at this stuff. Can't seem to get that thing to go the way I want it to go. Well, anyway, um, basically what they're talking about here is oh, here we go. Now you can see it. Is are these products so like pennington one step complete seed mixture where it's like a bag you can find these at like sam's and costco as well like scott's easy seed patch and repair scotch pat scott's patch master and it has the various turf species and it has the the seed uh percentages and the fertilizer percentages and inert matter and you see the inert matters are you know 80 percent or higher you know so there's six or seven examples that they have in here of various patch and repair products that, um, they, um, are referring to in, in, in the, in the introduction. Okay. So let me flip this page back the way I had it. See if I can go to the next. Oh, here we go. Okay. Slowly, slowly figuring this thing out. (laughs) It's, it's not, it's not as easy for, for old folks like myself to figure some of this easy stuff out okay so we're, that's what we're talking about is the patch and repair uh various uh products that you can find in walmart and so forth in fact i think i have let's go to the internet. i think i have one right here yeah so the scott's easy seed patch and repair sun and shade mixtures is an example of the products that are um available to the homeowners and so forth i don't know many professionals that have used this but maybe i'm wrong maybe they maybe they're used but uh, this would be an extremely expensive uh, method of doing this in um at a large scale golf course or a sport complex or something like that but this is what we're talking about okay okay um so quickly how they did it Re-re- there's a replicated field experiment. Uh, was uh, on in 2019 at the Daniel Turkress Research and Diagnostic Center in Indiana, and in Corvallis, Oregon, or, okay, Corvallis, Oregon. So it tells you that's in two locations, Indiana and Oregon. Okay. This it tells you the soil. The soil pH was 6.7, 63 grams per kilogram of organic matter, 62 parts per million Bray. So the Bray one, and, and somebody asked me yesterday about Malik three. Items, I forget who mentioned it yesterday. I don't I don't want to say who it was or wrong wrong name, but they were saying they asked me yesterday, would you recommend applying a phosphorus if it was like sixty to eighty parts per million? I don't know if that was in uh, Discord or on YouTube. I can't remember, but um, you know if it was sixty or eighty parts per million Malic like three phosphorus, you think there'd be a benefit from it? This is this soil here is sixty two parts per million. Bray and phosphorus, and then at the um organ site, the it says right here that the soil at the organ site was this type of soil with a pH of 6.3 and 63.6 parts per million malic 3. So, throughout the rest of the conversation we're going to have today, remember the organ site has 63 parts per million malic 3. And the Indiana site had basically 16, 62 parts per million Bray. Okay, so that's the benchmark phosphorus levels that we're dealing with um, in the soil before seeding. So I would like to say that I did this intentionally because the question was about 60 to 80 parts per million made like three phosphorus yesterday. But I already <laughs> I'm not that bright. So the, this article was already, I picked this article last week. So it's just coincidental that he, that, that question was asked. And now we're talking about a 60 part per million phosphorus study anyway. Okay. So the mulch ingredient main effect included seven mulch ingredients, including an untreated no mulch treatment. Selected on the basis of commercial availability for homeowners to either purchase at lawn and garden centers or animal and pet supply stores or the likelihood of an ingredient being already available. So they didn't go out and buy those um, already pre-made products per se. They uh, made their own, essentially. Okay. The starter fertilizer main effect consisted of no starter fertilizer or starter fertilizer applied at uh 215 kilograms per hectare. So if it's a and it was a 152310. Okay, so the setting is Oregon, Indiana, seven different mulch treatments, and they either they either applied start a starter fertilizer with it, or they did not apply a starter fertilizer with it. And they're applying it to uh did they mention where's the uh oh, I'm getting to it. All treatments included a fine fescue seed mixture okay and they give the various cultivars that were in the fine fescue seed mixture so we're talking about fine fescue establishment all treatment combinations consisted of 95 percent mulch ingredient five percent seed and one percent fertilizer so they took the different composts in the in the fertilizer and they they uh custom blended their their treatments so that they the, the concentration or the ratios of them by volume or was it by volume okay by volume uh, were the same okay that that's what they were trying to do they were trying to, to account for the um, potential error in buying them from the store and one having you know five percent fertilizer another one having one percent fertilizer so they did it, um, it appears they did it manually. On the day the treatments were applied, the mulch plus seed plus fertilizer ingredients for each plot were mixed together in a four liter plastic container from pre-measured or weight aliquots, and then all contents were applied by handshaking the contents across the plot. So they basically put it in a bucket, they blended it all together, and then they applied it across the plot. It's a very practical study. I wonder who funded this. See if this was fun. Let's go up here. Funding at National Institute of Food so yeah, so it was a NEFA grant huh. Well, good for them. Very practical information I like you know I like these practical studies that can be immediately implemented. Okay, data collected digital images were collected uh, with a camera box. I'm not a huge fan of digital imaging. I've had a lot of um, problems with variation and so forth. Um, it is an objective measurement. Of whatever's in the image. Um, however, in this case, they used a program called ImageJ, which I love. ImageJ. Okay, so I know it's manual and you have to do things. It takes a little more time, but it's once you figure out the system in ImageJ, I I think from my experience, it's much easier to have confidence. You have, I have much greater confidence in the values that you get out of ImageJ. This is just for grad students and people that might, might be doing, you know, digital images and so forth. Okay, um, the fine fescue establishment rate calculated from the dim- digital image and analysis was regressed in DAP by GraphPad Prism, which I love GraphPad Prism too. If you don't, if you guys are in grad school and you're looking to do um, a lot of graphs and you're using like, um, well, I'll leave the other ones out of it, but GraphPad Prism is awesome because it can automatically change all the graphs to the same format very easily. I know other programs do that as well, but I'm a big GraphPad fan graph pad fan <laughs> uh other data collected included weekly visual turf quality one to nine six is the minimum we've talked about this before turf color um the grid oh so the grid counts at the end of the experiment the percent uh, for percentages of final fine fescue turf grassy weed and broadleaf weed cover so they did a grid count at the end where you have a usually have a square pvc square with lines in it and you throw it out in the plot randomly and you start counting in the grid however many of the grids have weeds in it is the percentage of the weed that's generally how that's done they use proc glimmix. grad students professors grad proc proc glimmix is awesome so For those of you who are, I don't want to bore everybody to death, but procedure, the general linear mixed model procedure in SAS is great. I love it. Please use it when you can. (laughs) I'm not a statistician, but um, I made that conversion, I don't know, seven or eight, nine years ago. It used to be an old uh, macro you had to do in SAS and then they made it into a procedure and it's, it's fantastic. The location and treatment times location interactions were significant for all variables, except grid count data, therefore the locations were analyzed and are presented separately. So we talked about in the past pooling data. When there's no interaction, you can pool data and strengthen your study, strengthen the ability of, of showing differences between treatments. But when there are interactions, what that means is um, they said there were, uh, the location and treatment. So what this means is what occurred in Indiana did not occur in Oregon. So. Let's say treatment A was different than treatment B in Oregon. in Indiana, treatment A and treatment B were the same. So because there were differences, they can't pool them They they analyze them separately, which is what you're supposed to do, except for the final grid counts, which were pulled over locations. So the final grid counts there were no there was no interaction. The final grid counts were the same at locations, and so they merged them, pooled them, I should say pooled them together. And that gives them a much greater ability to determine differences, uh, which is what I'm going to talk about at the end when we're talking about the biological significance of those differences. Okay. Now for the fun stuff, finally. Okay. So that's the setting. That's what they did. (laughs) And we're, how far are we into this thing? 30 minutes in, we're just not getting to the fun stuff. Sorry, but we got to set the setting. It's critical. We understand what they did so that we understand how to interpret the results properly and within the context that they did it in. All right, seedling emergence and establishment rate. Mulch ingredients had a significant impact on both the seedling emergence and establishment rate of fine fescues at both locations, although the starter fertilizer had no impact. Okay, so the seedling emergence and establishment rate was not influenced by starter fertilizer. And that's kind of what we're talking about today is starter fertilizer. I'm mostly gonna talk about that. But the high phosphorus fertilizer they applied, let's see what the rate was. I didn't mention, oh, the application rate was 215 kilograms per hectare. So that would be four and a half, four and a quarter, four and a half pounds of the fertilizer. Let's just do that math. So, 215 divided by 49 is 4.4 pounds of fertilizer. And it was 23% phosphorus or P205 times 0.23. So, they applied one pound of P205 as the starter fertilizer. That's what they did. Or they did not. So, if they did it, they applied a pound of P. If they didn't, then they applied no- nothing. And they said they found on the establishment rate and the seedling emergence on these two soils, around 60 parts per million, Malik-3 and Bray, phosphorus, that neither one of those um, variables, emergence or rate of establishment, were influenced by starter fertilizer. Now, I don't know why emergence would be affected by starter fertilizer because it's only emerging as a result of the energy uh, inside the seed. But once it emerges and it begins to establish, that's where the root and the absorption of nutrients from the soil come into effect. And they're saying here that the application of phosphorus did not influence the establishment rate. In addition, soil tests at both locations revealed that soil P levels prior to treatment applications were in the medium to high range. Remember, it was 62 to 63, Bray, and Malik 3. And the P concentrations of the mulch ingredients ranged from 100 to over 7000 parts per million and that's in they show the uh, concentrations in a different table. Therefore, additional P from the starter fertilizer had an had a minimal impact on the rate of the fine fescue establishment. The minimal impact of the starter fertilizer that was possibly caused by adequate soil phosphorus levels in our study confirms the importance of conducting routine soil tests especially prior to to planting. Now, if you've heard me say this before, I'm not a fan of soil testing unless if if the if the turf grass is growing to your acceptable level. Okay, so if your turf grass is fine, it's growing fine to you. I'm not a fan of soil testing. I don't I don't see much value in that unless you have a pre-existing condition. In this case, there is no turf. Okay, there's they're not there is no turf growing. (laughs) They're seeding it. Okay, so in this case, if if you were to say, Travis, should I take a soil test prior to seeding? I would ask. How's the turf look? And you're going to say, I don't have any turf. <laughs> I'm growing it in. I'm establishing it. Then there's probably a good reason to soil test because you don't know. Okay. I I still don't soil test because I, I doesn't really, I, I, to me, it's it, it's not that big of a deal. It's not that important to me. Okay. I know the values I'm going to get are going to be, I don't know. I'm not that confident in them, but there are some cases where you can find out, hey, beforehand, hey, my I have very low phosphorus before establishment. And that might be beneficial to you. Okay. Or you have very high phosphorus and you don't need to apply any starter fertilizer, which is what they're saying in this study, the soil already had adequate phosphorus, the mulch that they applied had a lot of phosphorus. So they didn't see a response to applying starter fertilizer in this case, when it comes to establishment rate or seedling emergence. And then they go on and talk about other, other uh, studies, Turner and Waddington, eighty-three. So that was the that was the uh, was that the paper we just reviewed yesterday. Who stated that the use of starter fertilizer may not be required if the soil contains very high levels of P or if rapid establishment is not crucial. So that that was the paper we talked about yesterday. So even if it is low, if you don't particularly care about having a rapid establishment, then who cares? Okay. Now, if you care about rapid establishment and you have low phosphorus soils, then the application may be beneficial to you during the establishment phase. Okay. In addition, some mulch ingredients may contain a higher concentration of phosphorus, thus eliminating the need for additional P from starter fertilizer. This is something we really are going to have to really look at in our industry, guys and gals, is the unknown application of elements from sources that you didn't think about. The mulch already had phosphorus in it. In some one case, it was over 7,000 parts per million. If that's not accounted for, then and you apply phosphorus on top of that from the fertilizer, they're saying, hey, whoa, that, that does not you don't need any more. You're already applying it from the mulch. Another example would be the application of potassium on putting greens that are being um, top-dressed with sands that contain compat- uh, potassium-bearing minerals or even to your lawn if you're if you're for some reason you're low in phosphor potassium or low in phosphorus whatever you're applying to it the soil the top if you're leveling your lawn you're applying sand or you're applying soil or whatever you're applying compost whatever the constituents of that product are going to have to start being looked at more regularly so that you know hey I well, I just applied you know a quarter pound of in I didn't even know it Because I didn't know it was in the blend, or the mulch, or the soil, or whatever the case was. Okay, and that's what they're finding here, is that you need to be aware. Because they applied phosphorus already with the mulch. In Indiana, the topsoil, we continue. In Indiana, the topsoil and no mulch treatment had the slowest emergence. Okay, so it's 12 and 12.4 days, respectfully. Table 3, so let's look at Table 3. So table three is the number of days to find fescue seedling emergence. Let's look at the start of fertilizer first. Yes or no? We see if you didn't apply the phosphorus, it took 11.6 days. If you did in Indiana, it took 11.7 days. This is the reason they're saying there's no difference. In Oregon, it took 8.7 days with no fertilizer and it took 9.1 days with fertilizer and there's no difference. Okay. However... The number of days to find fescue seedling emergence as influenced by the mulch ingredient. So we're talking about all of these here on the left, the, the compost, the pin mulch, the potting soil, the shredded paper, topsoil, the wood chips, and no mulch. We're looking at, we would prefer to have a lower number in this case. We're looking at the influence to emergence. And we see... That with no mulch, it was 12.4 days. Okay. So, and it has an A. So, anything that has an A is the same as that. So, topsoil and no mulch were slower than all the other mulches. However, let's look at the fastest. Well, they're all going to be statistically the same, but let's just rank them. The fastest was the pin mulch at 11 days. So, if you buy the, in this case, the the pen mulch, and you use that, you're going to see ceiling emergence in eleven days. If you don't buy it and you don't apply it, you're going to see um you're going to see emergence the next day, twelve and twelve point four days. So that this is, you you need to ask yourself is is it worth paying for those products to get one less day of of emergence. It may be in my, in my house, I would never pay for that. I I don't, I'll wait one more day and I'll save my money. It's, it's not worth it to me. Okay. But if it is to you, great. You know, you're a consumer. You have a right to spend your money however you want. But to me, one more, one more day out of 12 out of so basically it's roughly two weeks, a little less than two weeks. Uh, It'll be, it'll merge tomorrow. Okay. Merge tomorrow. I won't have to spend any money. Okay. If you, want to, if you want that emergence the previous day, then spend the money. That was in Indiana. Look what happens in Oregon. In Oregon, the emergence from no mulch was 8.3 days. And now we see C's and D's next to this value, right? So we're looking for the lowest value. So anything with a C or a D is the same as not applying any mulch, okay? And we look through here, and we find an E, a potting soil has an E, that means it's it's a little bit quicker than the no mulch, and everything else is either a, has a D or greater. So in other words, the only treatment that increased seedling emergence in Oregon was potting soil, compared to no mulch, compared to doing nothing, was potting soil, and again, it was by one day. Okay. So we got to look at the biological practicality of this, you know, is it significant statistically? Yes, they show that with these letters. Okay. The statistics, clearly it's significant statistically, but biologically you have to ask yourself, is it really worth me spending that much money to gain one day of emergence from emergence? If it is, this is the product to use an organ. If it's not, then just don't do anything. It'll merge the next day, <laughs> okay? I don't know. I just find that curious. I just find that funny. I don't know why. And we, we go, oh, it's better. It's better. It's faster. Well, okay, yeah, statistically, but let's look at this thing in a practical light here before we start throwing tons of money at it. You know? Okay. We continue. Overall, there were no clear trends across location in the rate of seedling emergence among mulch ingredients. And the number of days required until first seeding emergence ranged from 10 to 13 days in Indiana and seven to 14 days in Oregon. So even in the worst case scenario where you applied a great mulch and your neighbor applied a horrible mulch, it's, they're still all going to emerge in two weeks. Okay. You know, that's what I'm saying with like turf quality when we're talking about, oh, this, this product resulted in a greater turf quality than the other turf quality. Okay, well, what were they? Well, one was eight and one was seven point seven. Well, no one's going to be able to tell the difference. I mean, practically, there's these are the same when you're looking at them, you know. Now, if you tell me one was seven and one was five, well, then that's biologically significant, right? So, as well as statistically significant. So you got to look at things, you know, in a not just um, numbers and statistics. You got to kind of step back from it and look at the big picture. Let's continue. We're going to come back to this table, I think, in a minute. And these these uh, graphs. In Indiana, the sigmoidal regression results show that compost-derived mulch, potting soil, and no mulch had the shortest day to 50%, day to 75%, and day to 90% values. So... Um, yeah brady i i don't I don't know the the amount of water we can go back and look there was not a water treatment the question in chat is is the same amount of water applied to both studies water was not a a fixed effect they didn't measure the um the influence of applying water or not applying water as far as i can, as far as I know um I do think they mentioned how water was applied in here let me see if I can find it um. usually they'll talk about the irrigation how oh, here it goes after all treatments were applied the study areas received frequent irrigation daily meaning daily or four to five times per week for two weeks to promote turf establishment and then received an average of 2.5 centimeters a week which is one inch one inch a week from either irrigation or precipitation for the remainder of the study. So all the treatments, all the plots received the, uh, well, uh, well, they attempted their best to apply the same amount of water to all plots. Okay. Good question. Water isn't going to have a huge effect. And if they were doing that, then we would need to know about it. But they applied the same water. They applied it in a fashion that would, um, is consistent with BMPs in terms of applying water during establishment. All right, let's get back down here. Oh, so they're um, in Oregon. Com- so it says com- uh, compost-derived mulch. Okay, so and no mulch had the shortest day. And then it says in Oregon, compost is estimated to, was estimated to have the shortest day. So let's go up. Let's go up to uh, Table Four and Figure Two. So here's Figure Two. But let's go up to Table Four and I want to show this. So here is the um don't get too confused by these D sub 50s and D sub 75s and so forth. All this is meaning is the estimated number of days to 50% establishment and to 75% establishment and to 90% establishment. So um this is a they basically they regressed it. They used a model to predict the the length of time it would take to be to 50, 75 and 90 and so forth. Let's look at the starter fertilizer first, and if you see any letters, it says starter fertilizer, yes, or starter fertilizer, no. If you see any letters next to them, then you would know that they differ. If there's no letters, then there's no differences, and it shows in Indiana and in Oregon, to 50, 75, and 90 days, the starter fertilizer had no impact on the estimated number of days to establishment, Okay. It was 44 for both at 50 days in Indiana. It was 42 for both in Oregon at 50 days and so forth. Okay. The no mulch, um, the no mulch treatment in Indiana, again, we're looking for low, um, low numbers here, meaning rapid establishment. Okay. So, and the no mulch is what i've highlighted here and it says at 50 days in indiana the no mulch required i'm sorry at 50% cover it it took 37.1 days in indiana okay and there's a c so when you're reading through here you're going to look for anything that has a c and you're going to say okay that's the same as no mulch and in this case we're going but usually it's the other way around we're doing the control but in this case anything greater than 37.1 and it has if it has a different letter would mean it's taking longer to get to that 50 percent establishment so in indiana at 50 percent coverage 37 days it's the it's the quickest or there's nothing quicker i should say there's nothing faster than no mulch in terms of the other mulch treatments the same thing at 75 we see d so we would have to see Another value, another treatment that had an E and only an E, basically, in order to say it was faster than no mulch. And there's nothing at 75 days. And now we have a C and a D. So again, we'd have to have an E in order for us to say it was faster than no mulch. And we don't see that. Everything was slower, <laughs> basically. I'm, if I'm reading this, the results for estimated number of days. Yeah, estimated number of days until 50%, 75%, and 90% establishment. So no mulch is, <laughs> you know, resulting in the fastest establishment, or I should, I should say nothing is resulting in faster establishment than no mulch in Indiana. Now, it was different in Oregon. Everything was the same in Oregon, except the compost. The compost resulted in more rapid establishment at 50, 75, and 90 days than no mulch, or any of the other mulch treatments for that matter, okay? Okay. So we see the differences between locations, which is oftentimes why we need two different locations or multiple, multiple years at one location, because the, the results can differ based upon, you know, the, the environmental factors that existed there. So Lush Lawns has a question that says, is there a benefit with reduced water? Meaning you can't have consistent water. I'm not exactly sure what that means, Lush. Um... Yeah, I'm not sure exactly what you mean by that. Is there a benefit with reduced water? I'm reading that as like a reduction of water over time, I think. Or, um, you can't have consistent water from the beginning of the establishment to the end. Uh, You know, you have to give me a little bit more input. I'm not sure exactly what you mean by that. Sorry about that. Um... I'll say on my lawn, I have a little timer and I goes off what, what my, my, if you want to know my irrigation strategy for establishment of tall fescue seed, here it is for water for a home lawn. This doesn't really work too much with some of the other areas like saw production or something like that. But, um, I tell folks when they seed, get a timer, get a, you can buy a little timer on Amazon that you can put on your spigot for like 20 bucks And you can set it to go on every hour for five minutes during sunlight hours for the first week. So the first week I want the water to be going on every hour for just five minutes. I don't want it more than that, especially if the soil is fallow. If the soil is not fallow and you have like dead grass there that you've killed out and it's still there, the tissue's still above ground, then that helps kind of Uh, slow down any movement of seed off site but if it's fallow or this there's no there's nothing on top of the soil then and you're irrigating it five minutes every hour that's fine but if you're irrigating it more than that say 10 minutes or you're just doing it by hand and you forget and it's been 20 minutes it can really start to wash off if it's on any slope especially if you get an unexpected rain you know within the first week and those seeds haven't emerged and rooted down so i like to do just a little bit of water every hour um, you know four or five minutes just keep it moist even the impact of the water droplets from the area from the sprinkler head if it's not um, covered it can hit and push those seeds down so i like to use an oscillating sprinkler rather than an impact sprinkler so the, the rain is, the water droplets are a little bit softer when it hits the soil i've had a lot better success with the oscillating sprinklers rather than impact sprinklers um when, when it's not covered okay this is just my opinion and my experience, but then after the first week, and then this is really more just easy to remember sort of stuff. It doesn't, this, I don't have data to support it, but um, after the first week, I say, instead of five minutes, every one hour, do five minutes, every two hours on the second week, which is what we actually just did in the neighbor's lawn across the street this week. And then the third week, five minute, every three hours. So I just want to keep it moist, but as it grows in and it's rooted down and established, you can back the water off a lot, and you should back the water off a lot. It doesn't need that much water after after the roots gone down. It's you still have to keep it wet and you still have to keep it moist, but you don't need as much water as you did during the first week. So you slowly back off the water as the grass grows in. That's my own personal um, strategy to you know have a good. In fact, I'll go take a picture of it and put it on. Um, on discord it's is two this is uh two weeks we seeded it last sunday so it's two and or no it's one and a half weeks i think so it's the end of the second week and it looks fantastic on uh, my neighbor's lawn so that's what i would do in terms of water sorry i don't mean to go too far off in the left field there lush but i was a little confused by your question i wasn't sure what you're asking anyway so let's continue uh so that was the initial uh step potting soil no mulch and compost were also estimated to reach 90% establishment in the fewest days. So that's what we just discussed. So again, no mulch is resulting in the same rate of establishment um, as all some of these other mulch components across both sites. The results of compost generally having across both sites the results of compost generally having the shortest. Uh, 50 75 and 90 day establishment are similar to past research investigating divot mixture composition so in oregon um they had shorter establishment time in oregon i don't know why they're saying this across both sides maybe i'm reading this wrong perhaps someone can correct me in the in the comments. across both sites, results of compost generally having the shortest d50 well let's go back up here and look So, yeah, compost didn't have the shortest day in Indiana. It was equivalent to no mulch in Indiana. Am I reading this wrong? So, no. It, I don't know why they said that. In Oregon, clearly it was quicker. But I don't know why they, I don't know. I have, maybe I have to ask the authors about that. But it seems like they did not have an effect, an impact on one side. It did on the other. Um Oh, so real quick, uh, Lush says, sorry, is there a benefit from mulch with poor irrigation versus pro- Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. So if you let's say that, that makes more sense now, Lush. So if you didn't have irrigation at all, then um, would there be a, a benefit from using mulch in that case to potentially you know, reduce moisture evaporation or soil or whatever? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. Um, perhaps I can find a, a study that uh, did that with uh, establishment with no no water no no irrigation um that would be a t- kind of a tough road to hoe <laughs> establishing grass with no irrigation um but perhaps it's out there I'll, I'll take a look and see what i can find lush i mean you know reasonably one might one might say yeah that if you're going to see an impact perhaps it's under those conditions right um but I would be real careful about making assumptions. You know, it, it, it seems reasonable that you might you might find a difference there in some cases. At least you might be more likely to see a difference there as opposed to locations that receive adequate water. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I'd have to look. We continue. Although the results indicate that a topsoil mulch with a similar soil texture as the underlying soil will result in slightly lower or similar performance to many of the other mulch treatments this is what something i highlighted because um i've noticed sometimes a lot of people will use they'll they'll dig up some soil then they'll put the seed down and they'll just lightly top dress it with the existing soil or they'll go and they'll top dress soil um you know their existing lawn or they'll Um, you know, whatever with newly seeded with existing soil and what it says here, and I'll even move up a sentence, Sorokin and Rogers reported topsoil to be a poor mulch for soil free growing conditions since it did not provide more turf cover than the no mulch control. And then he says, although, you know, results indicate topsoil mulch with a similar soil texture had slightly lower, similar performance to many of the other mulch treatments. Okay, care should be taken to select a high-quality topsoil that is high in organic matter, has sufficient nutrients, and has a similar texture to native soil. That's a little bit of speculation there, but I'm okay with that. Um, so basically, they're saying topsoil didn't really do much. <laughs> so I love I love studies like this because there's a I'm going to go into some point publication bias because. For years in the literature, it was difficult to get stuff pub, And even now, sometimes it's difficult to get things published when you don't find anything in the study. Like, let's say we do a two-year study looking at, um, I don't know, product A. And we didn't see anything happen. Product A didn't do anything. It's It's been difficult to get that published, even though it's very useful information because you can't just... Well, the idea being was... You can't just put a really uh, put an article in a high impact factor journal like Crop Science and show nothing happened. Well, that's I'm not I don't not picking on Crop Science. I'm just saying any any journal. Well, that's publication bias. It doesn't matter what the results were as long as it's novel and it was performed according to the standards of the journal. It should be published even if there were no results, but. Because of that, what you'll find is in the literature, well, you know, there's usually results, usually results, usually results. and Because the, the studies that didn't find results, didn't find differences, I should say, um, didn't get published because of publication bias, okay? So we'll talk about that at some point. I like, stu- here's a, we're gonna look at, we're not gonna look at, we're just gonna show Figure three, where they have actual photographs of the plots. I don't know why I like these things. I mean, I, I as a scientist, I don't need to see them. I know what they did. I know from the lit, you know, what they showed and what they wrote or whatever. I can understand the, the layout and the scientific, you know, the statistical model they use. But I do like this when they put this in here for a few reasons. Basically, if if an average person is reading this paper, they're not going to know what a randomized complete block design is with four replications. Okay, sorry, colleagues and peers or whatever. They don't know that stuff. Okay, I'm sorry. Maybe you do, but I don't think, you know, or you really care, to be frank. But, you know, when you show photos like this, I think it provides a little bit more insight to the average reader that, oh, I see how they did this now. I can see the relative size of the plots and how they laid it out and they replicated. There's differences all down the plot map and so forth. I, I like them. I I wish we would put more of this stuff in there. And you can see zero days after planting, and he progresses, the authors progress all the way to 126 days after planting. And you can see the relative differences are growing, particularly at 35 days after planting. You can see some plots have already been established, whereas others are quite slow. I like those. I kind of wish we did more of those. I digress. I'm sorry. For example, we continue. For example compost mulch was consistently in the top statistical group for the shortest days 50 75 and 90 at both look and again i don't where are they getting this from compost mulch table four figure two table four. Oh, so they're just okay so it says okay so it says in the top okay all right fair enough in the top statistical group doesn't but it didn't differ from non non from no mulch Another similarity in the Indiana location. another similarity between the two locations was that the starter fertilizer treatment had minimal impact on the rate of fine fescue establishment, indicating that a starter fertilizer may not be necessary to include in low input patch and repair options depending on the soil nutrient levels of pea and the mulch ingredient, which would result in financial savings. That's a lot of caveats. It's a lot of <laughs> what they're saying is is that you don't need to apply starter fertilizer in this location in this setting in in which is absolutely correct i mean we can't you you go across the board and say we can't don't you shouldn't apply any starter fertilizer in any any just because you we found that here you should never apply starter fertilizer that's not what we're saying that's not what they're saying um but they did find that there was no benefit to applying it under these conditions, okay? And it would result in a financial savings and a reduction in fertilizer inputs for the homeowner or lawn care operator. How about that? So homeowners and lawn care operator getting some love in the, in the discussion of this scientific paper. So I, I like that. I, I, I wish we saw all the authors did more of that, okay? And I also hope at some point i've noticed lately that a lot more dollars have been included in some of these papers where we're showing, we're showing scientific differences I, I don't really care so much you know if oh, there's a there's a scientific difference between there's a statistical difference between these two um products one does it at you know 80 percent max and the other one does it at 40 percent max that's biological wow that's great but it costs you five times as much to do it. Well, then no, I'm not doing that, okay? You know, if it gives me twice as much response and it only costs twice as much money, then okay, there's, I'll, I'll buy that. But if it twice as much response and it costs five times as much money, I'm not going to do that, <laughs> sorry. So this, this paper includes some of that in. it includes the money. I mean, financial savings, that's, that's a, a critical component that I think a lot of past literature leaves out. Um. So, what is it? in addition? A starter fertilizer containing P, okay, may not be necessary. Um. Who all? So it says Chang, two thousand fourteen. Who also reported fine fescues to have minimal to no response. Oh, okay. So let me back up because this is kind of important. I missed this. In addition, a starter fertilizer containing phosphorus may not be necessary. If fine fescues make up the majority of the turf species included in the patch and repair mixtures because of the minimal response to phosphorus fertilizer during establishment observed in our study and by chain 2014 who also reported fine fescues to have minimal to no response in germination and establishment rates to the application of phosphorus or increasing phosphorus levels unlike other turf species so here again is a little bit of information about the differences between species when it comes to nutrient demands and needs and soil testing and nutrient applications and so forth. They're saying that they found, and another author found, that the fine fescues are not responding to phosphorus anywhere near the degree as some other turf grasses. So if you take a soil test or you take, you're take you establishing fine fescues, you take a soil test from fine fescues and you get a recommendation to apply, let's say, phosphorus, I don't have that's what that's the reason I'm saying you have to have a lot of skepticism in that. I mean, there needs to be some healthy skepticism implemented in that case because clearly in the literature, there are cases where fine fescue does not need the same level as other turf grasses. okay? If you took that from um rye grass maybe or you know fescue maybe or something like that, then perhaps those those recommendations would be valid. But when it comes from fi- to fine fescues, I don't think they're going to be separating the recommendations based upon the, the species of cool season grass. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm not aware of anybody that has that level of precision in their soil test recommendations. Okay. So, uh, but I uh, get off my soapbox for a little bit. I'm sorry. I get a little animated sometimes when it comes to, you know, soil testing and the value of it and so forth. All right, we're going to move on to final turf and weed cover. At the end of the experiment, 126 days after planting, location and the interactions between locations and the remaining factors, mulch and the start of fertilizer, had no significant effect on the final fine fescue turf, grassy weed, or broadleaf weed cover as determined by grid counts. Therefore, the data were pooled over locations. So they pooled everything because there was no interaction. There's no significant effect, no interaction mulch ingredients had no impact on the final fine fescue turf cover grassy weeds or broadleaf weed cover data not shown so i think i may be wrong here but let's go up to this figure three and where we're looking at the photographs that i spoke of earlier and this 126 days is what they're talking about and they're saying there was no impact on the final fine fescue turf um grassy weed or broadleaf weed cover so that's what you can see in this photograph at 126 days after planting there was no impact from the from the mulch okay i had a guy ask me once at a meeting i was saying something about uh i think it was about manganese and there's a previous paper from, from snyder i think it was his 79 paper on manganese i can't remember if it was 79 or 80 but and i was saying hey you know you can over you can overcome that by Using ammonium sulfate rather than applying manganese, just you switch your nitrogen source. And the data showed that. And then somebody said, well, how do you know that happened? Did they, did they include a photograph in the manuscript? And I, <laughs> I kind of giggled because it, they almost never include photographs like this in manuscripts. But in that Snyder paper, he included a photograph. So he was being a little snidey with me. And it's like, well, how do you know it happened? You didn't see a photograph. Well, that paper has a photograph in it. okay? so you can go look at it if you want to. But even if it didn't have a photograph in it, the numbers are still there. okay? it's irrelevant whether they put a photo in there or not, you know, but in this case they did. And it's nice to kind of just be able to go up and look at it and say, yeah, this is what they're saying. There was no differences. And that's the photograph of it. So uh, whatever. (laughs) <laughs> start a fertilizer had a significant effect on final fine fescue count and here's what I'm talking about at the beginning of the presentation start a fertilizer had a significant effect on final fine fescue turf cover great so we're going okay fine start a fertilizer had a significant effect on a final fine fescue turf cover so we should be applying start starter fertilizer if my final uh, fine fescue turf cover is what I'm interested in great yeah then it says, which increased final turf cover by 4%. Now, ask yourself, is that biologically significant? To me, it's not biologically significant. Okay. Statistically, it is. Now, I believe we're talking about you know, turf cover and weak cover. So they pooled all this stuff together. So when they pull that together, they have a much greater power. They have a much greater ability to see differences, Right. But the catch to that is you can see differences down to a very, very fine level that become biologically insignificant, okay, so to me, a final turf cover of the difference of four point two percent is biologically insignificant, so I wouldn't use this even though statistically it's significant i would I wouldn't apply it because I'm going to well final turf covers. versus 92%. Okay, to me, it's not worth it. To you, maybe it is. Although starter fertilizer had no effect on the rate of fine fescue emergence or establishment, the results from the final grid count demonstrate that starter fertilizer may slightly increase the amount of fine fescue turf compared with no starter fertilizer. And then here he says, most probably because of the effects of the nitrogen in the starter fertilizer, which was roughly... It looks like three quarters of a pound of ant. Okay. So they're saying it was slightly better at the end, but it wasn't probably from the phosphorus. It was probably from the nitrogen. So if you wanted to do the test on this, you could go back and test it again and just do one with nitrogen and then one with the starter fertilizer, which I'm, there's, there's papers that do that. And what they're, what they're positing is is that it's probably just the nitrogen effect. And they didn't need to apply the phosphorus at all. Let's move, move to turf quality and cover. I'm sorry, turf quality and color. As the fine fescue turf establishment progressed from planting to 126 days after planting, turf quality was impacted by the mulch ingredients at both locations. but starter fertilizer had an impact only in organ, table six and seven. So let's look at table six and seven. So this is uh, table six. We're in Indiana. We're looking at days after planting going from 42 to 126 and we're looking at turf quality and we see the starter fertilizer had no effect. So remember we're going from one to nine, six was minimally acceptable. So uh, somewhere between 70 and 98 days, the turf grass become, became acceptable, but the inclusion of starter fertilizer had no impact in Indiana. The no mulch right here. Okay. So this is what I want to point out. Turf quality was impacted by the mulch ingredients at both locations. So, you when you read that, you're going to go, "Well, the mulch ingredients had an impact on quality during establishment." So, I should use mulch. But remember, one of the mulch ingredients was no mulch. I'm not sure. <laughs> it's a very peculiar way to word that. But it's it's that they included no mulch as a mulch. So. It, when you go up here and read the table, you'll see no mulch right here has an A at 42, an A at 56, an A at 70, an A at 98, and nothing at 126. So what this means is no, none of the mulch ingredient, the mulch components, ever increase the turf grass quality greater than no mulch in terms of the quality during establishment in Indiana. Okay, so Indiana saw no turf grass quality benefit during establishment to the inclusion of mulch compared to not doing anything with mulch. Nor did they see any benefit to applying any phosphorus starter fertilizer compared to not applying phosphorus fertilizer. Okay, so basically in Indiana, they, all they had to do was plant the seed. <laughs> And, and not by any mulch, not by any fertilizer and they got they would have got the same or well, they did they got the same results as applying all those fer, all the fertilizer and any of the mulches okay So I don't know if it, you know maybe we all should all move to Indiana move to Indiana and you know none of us would have to buy fertilizer or mulch I don't know but but that's what they found in Indiana but it's critical that you don't read this turf quality was impacted by the mulch ingredient at both locations. Well, it was, but no mulch was included. So you got to make sure you go back up and read exactly in the tables how they did it, what the differences were, and if nothing differs from no mulch, the control, then the mulch did not benefit it. The mulch actually reduced it. So what I'm saying is, it says was impacted by the mulch ingredients, but in Indiana, the mulch ingredient reduced it. For example, pin mulch at 42 was a two percent, or I'm sorry a two on a quality scale, and the no mulch was a 4.8. Now, that's biologically significant. You would see a difference in those two if you're looking at it with your eye, okay? So, you know, we're trying to make things better, and we're actually making it worse sometimes by trying to add all these things to our program, in this particular instance, at least. In Indiana, the faster establishing mulch ingredients, potting soil, compost, and no mulch... (laughs) corresponded to higher turf quality ratings across multiple rating days similarly in oregon compost the fastest establishing mulch ingredient was consistently in the top statistical grouping for turf quality table seven so we go down to table seven and you will see differences between applying compost versus applying nothing and you'll see right here the compost is up here with an a right and the uh the no mulch treatment is down here with b's and c's so you'll see this 5.6 is going to be less than 6.4 it's statistically lower but i would argue that yeah one point lower on a quality scale a, a average person is going to be able to see that the inclusion of compost increasing it to 6.4 would be beneficial that's probably biologically significant same thing at 70 days after where we see a 6.1 from doing nothing and a seven from uh, including the compost okay you see a difference there it's acceptable with doing nothing a six or greater is acceptable so it's acceptable but you might get a little bit better by including the mulch or i'm sorry the compost so that's how to read that okay you see uh, an a compost okay it's higher quality and you see a c with the non-treated it's a lower quality than the than the a's okay here you see, actually, while we're in table seven, the inclusion of starter fertilizer, and you do see a benefit from including starter fertilizer. Uh, the, when you don't apply anything, it's a 4.6. When you apply it, it's a 5.1, okay? Five, and then 56 days, it's 5.4 and 5.9 and so forth. So you see a difference out to about two months, okay? You know, six, 70 days or so, there's a difference between applying nothing and applying starter fertilizer. You don't see anything after that. Now, that's statistical. I would go out at these close ratings as six and six point four, and I would say there's a pretty good chance you would never be able to observe that, and with your eye, you would never be able to detect that. You know, the average homeowner, the average person is never going to be able to detect a difference in a half a point on on a, on a quality scale. Okay, so that particular difference is probably debatable, but I I would probably take the position that you're not going to be able to see that you're not going to be able to observe or detect that with it with your eye a half a point so even though there's a difference by using starter fertilizer the difference in my opinion is biologically insignificant okay i don't know if they had that same opinion or not we could ask the authors that but i wouldn't i wouldn't put a bunch of money in it to get a half a point at, at 60 days if you're a point up or two points up, maybe maybe that would be worth your money. But half a point, I doubt you could see that. Uh, so we're talking, the next sentence, we're talking about um, shredded paper and stuff. So the other components. During establishment, shredded paper and sometimes wood chips and pen mulch generally had the lowest turf grass quality on both locations. And what they talk about here, and I won't really go into it in a lot of detail. It's kind of boring on this part. The shredded paper and wool, wood chips... Were not really uniform there were large there were large particle sizes and when they put the seed in the fertilizer in they didn't feel that like it was really homogeneous when they spread it out and they talk about that in here um help retain moisture it says shredded paper and wood chips were regularly associated with low visual turf quality at both locations because of light green da, da, da. and it talks about the carbon the nitrogen ratios probably being higher um it talks about the where is this lower turf quality may have also been caused by the larger particle size of these respective mulches, which may have inhibited the seed soil contact. So what, basically what they're saying, the physical size of these, the shredded paper and the wood mulch probably is, a, is what caused those lower ratings. Um, and they, they talk about a potential way of avoiding that in the future, putting the seed down and then putting that down on top of it might help. Good stuff. Effective mulch ingredients, starting fertilizer, fine fescues in on turf color in Indiana. So turf color, there was a slight difference at 56 days, which including fertilizer, fit five and a half to six and .3, So maybe you could see something there, and then the rest of the time there was nothing, no differences. No mulch. The quality ratings were at or above all the other mulch ingredients. So even on color, there wasn't much benefit. Uh, or there was no benefit of the mulch in Indiana. Uh, effective mulch ingredient on starter fertilizer and fine tissue color in Oregon of uh, 70, 84 and 98 days after application, we do see starter fertilizer. And here's a perfect example of what I've talked about earlier, 6.9 and 6.7 at 70 days, 6.8 and 6.7 at 84 days. I don't care how long you've been doing turf color ratings. Okay. <laughs> or turf quality ratings. You could be a professor full professor. been doing this for 40 years I would put money on whatever you want to bet that no one can consistently tell the difference between a 6.8 plot and a 6.7 plot. Okay. Statistically, they're different. Statistically, it showed fertilizer, showed difference. Remember, I think this is where they pulled some stuff. I could be wrong. I have to go back and look. But you'll never be able to see the, bio- the difference between a 6.8 and a 6.7 on a color scale. Okay. So biologically, this is completely insignificant. So there's, so there's no, in my practical response would be, there's no benefit to applying fertilizer in this case, even if it is statistically greater than, than not applying any fertilizer. Okay. And feel free to, you know, chime in in the, in the comments of the video, if you feel differently, that's fine. Um, so here we go effects of mulch this is table 10 effects of mulch ingredient times and starter fertilizer treatment combinations on fine fescue turf color during establishment in oregon days after 70 and 84 and we see right here the the no mulch and the no fertilizer was a seven and a seven on the at both of those days both those set rating dates and it was an a meaning if it's an a there is no other treatment that's greater than that. So the the treat the no mulch and the no fertilizer had the highest turf quality. The combination of those two had the highest turf quality. Uh, nothing was greater than that, okay? So this is pretty good convincing evidence to me to not apply any mulch or any fertilizer if turf color, I'm sorry, maybe I said quality, I apologize. If turf color is your priority, there was no benefit to applying the fertilizer or any of the mulches in combination wrapping this thing up on these two dates 70 and 84 days after planting in oregon the treatment interaction was significant because including a start of fertilizer with either shredded paper or wood chips increased the turf color darker green from the added nitrogen okay so they're talking about the again the inclusion of nitrogen on on those two dates when with uh, shredded paper and wood chips so you did see a difference in shredded paper and wood chips The did they do this? Hang on, let me make sure I did this correct. Yeah, means within a column. Yeah, shredded. Okay, um, although it did not impact turf color of the mulch. Okay, so therefore, if shredded paper or wood chips are to be used as a mulch ingredient, it may be advantageous to include a nitrogen only fertilizer to overcome the large white, the large c to n ratio so they're saying that on those two treatments the fertilizer probably had a benefit because of it it of add, the added nitrogen because those two com, uh, treatments had a very high carbon to nitrogen ratio assuming that it, i guess that they're saying that the nitrogen in those um, in the system was immobilized and the inclusion of the fertilizer helped it helped provide nitrogen okay so we're going to the conclusions finally we're getting this thing wrapped up overall the results from the sigmoidal regression model in the final grid count data indicated that all mulch ingredients should eventually reach a similar fine fescue turf cover percentage. However, the rate of establishment will be influenced by the mulch ingredient. Again, including no, no mulch. Conversely, including a starter fertilizer may have minimal impact on the establishment rate of low imp, input patch and repair options, but may help increase the final desired fine fescue turf cover especially for mulch ingredients with high in ratios, such as shredded paper and wood chips. The minimal impact of starter fertilizer on the rate of fine fescue establishment confirms that it is important to test soil nutrient levels prior to planting and to consider the phosphorus concentration of the mulch. The sites in this experiment contained high-quality topsoil with greater than 60 uh, grams per kilogram organic matter and 60 parts per million phosphorus. Establishment is likely to be reduced and greater treatment differences would be evident in poor quality soils such as those often found in new home construction. So they're talking about just knowing what you're dealing with before you start putting fertilizer down. The results demonstrate the compost potting soil and no mulch will improve turf grass establishment rates. So no mulch <laughs> will improve turf grass establishment rates. I don't know why they say mulch and no mulch. No mulch. You could reword that and say the results indicate that including mulch does not increase establishment rates relative to (laughs) non-treated so that's fine the results also indicate that if you if the newly seeded area is adequately irrigated then neither mulch ingredient oh here we go neither mulch ingredient nor starter fertilizer may be necessary thus providing more financial savings to the consumer if the consumer is planning to make one application with the seed fertilizer and mulch ingredients mixed together the same application method is in our study Then we advise against using shredded paper, wood chips, pen mulch, or other mulch ingredients with low density, as this does not easily allow the accompanying seed or fertilizer to be as evenly distributed. Okay, last sentence, last paragraph. Therefore, if the rate of establishment is a minor concern, then all of the examined mulch ingredients in this study, including no mulch, are viable options since all had similar final fine fescue cover. So so if you're not that concerned about uh, the establishment rate, then don't worry about it you know, let it go. Don't you don't need to pay for it. If you are, then there's some minor benefits in some cases. The average cost here's the cost. Average cost of the homeowner, low impact, low input patch and repair mixtures in this experiment was $99, 99 cents per kilogram. Which com. so this is the average cost of the, of the homemade low input patch and repair option. So they did this by hand was 99 cents per kilogram and I love this stuff at the end of these papers with if they just put more of this stuff in here it'd be fantastic the average cost of the homemade low input patch was 99 cents per kilogram which compared with the commercial patch and repair products is an average savings of five dollars and sixteen cents per kilogram so you're cutting the cost by more than 20 percent or'm sorry more than 80 percent it's it's Less than twenty percent of the cost of buying it in, in a big box store from the you know the commercial available premixed options, with such significant cost savings in materials, a two-step method of seeding first, method of seeding first, followed by mulching of seeding first, followed by mulching compared with the combination of seed and mulch as conducted in our study may be more advantageous in smaller areas for homeowners. However, it may still be more advantageous for lawn care operators to create a large batch of mixture more to use across multiple properties, regardless of this method of seeding first, then applying mulch second uh, with different mulches requires further investigation. So what they're saying there is that you can go buy all this stuff for a lot of money, or you can just mix it yourself and save a lot of money okay in many cases particularly in indiana doing nothing was the same as doing a lot <laughs> so um but in oregon there were some benefits to applying the fertilizer and in, in one case for the on the the compost there's some benefit to using the compost as a you know as an application so having said all that it appears the question 60 parts per million malic 3 to 80 parts per million malic 3, is there any benefit? In this study, there was no benefit to applying the uh, phosphorus, pre plant phosphorus fertilizer, except for uh, there was one table that had some minor minor increases from the inclusion in that malic 3, uh, where is it, in, in, the, in the organ. So, so the uh the quality was slightly greater biologically i would say it's it was not significant okay and the establishment in oregon um yeah, you know, the establishment the number of days in oregon was slightly better biologically it was probably better it was a good it was probably um oh no that was the mulch yeah, so the mulch increased it, but the organ, in Oregon, the fertilizer didn't increase the uh, establishment at all, establishment rate at all. And in, in Oregon, the, the quality was slightly better. So the only thing that was really gained in a, a Malik-3 pho- uh, phosphorus level of 60 was that the quality during establishment was a half a point greater, but the establishment rate was the same. So there really was no um, benefit in terms of establishment rate with inclusion of the fertilizer there was just slightly better quality okay i would i wouldn't pay for that and i wouldn't really want that because i know in 98 days after establishment they're going to be the same it's right right here in table seven so you know that first two or three months you might have slightly better quality by buying and applying in a starter fertilizer when the melee three soil test uh, was 60 in oregon under these conditions uh, but it's up to you to determine whether or not that little bit of a benefit is worth the money to spend on that that, that fertilizer okay i I wouldn't um, but I'm different than most folks so with that that was a long one sorry but that was a fun one to go through I like I like those papers that have a lot of practical information in them they talk about cost they talk about like hey you know you can do this yourself and save a lot of money um, or you could potentially not even do it at all and still get the same results so, I really appreciate the authors Ross and Aaron and those guys for putting out that paper. Uh, it was it's it's a it's a good little paper. Uh, tomorrow we're going to go over uh, one one last paper on establishment, and it has to, or is this establishment? I think there's going to be a uh, article. Let's see. I think what I'm going to do tomorrow is there's one or two papers i'll I'll figure out which one i want to apply i want to go over it's either going to be the long-term phosphorus application or it's going to be um the date of seeding effects establishment on cool season turf grass actually oh tomorrow's uh friday so tomorrow i'm off so monday i may go over one more paper on turf grass establishment and then another paper on tuesday with long-term applications of phosphorus and we'll see how that works out on um on soil phosphorus so until then everyone i really appreciate everybody for showing up and participating in the chat it really means a lot to me Um, i hope you found it useful until monday have a good weekend and i'll see you then for more nutrient uh, establishment uh, data and, and fun articles to talk about see you guys bye